Hey, Collateral Cinema listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. Just taking a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. Much like Collateral Cinema, we are a grassroots podcast. We invite bands from all over the world to come in and we dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you and there's tons of music every week so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast we look forward to having you Tonight, on a special episode of The Director's Cut, we are joined by Ashley Chancellor of Collateral Gaming and Collateral Cinema to talk about movie tie-in video games. So stick around. The show starts right now. Welcome to Collateral Cinema Director's Cut. I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Ashley Chancellor from Collateral Gaming Bonus Round. And we are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas. And yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So smoke it if you've got it. And we're doing a special kind of one-off episode here. Um, we're joined, of course, by Ashley Chancellor, who is our co-host on Collateral Cinema and also hosts the Collateral Gaming Podcast. How are you doing, Ash? Oh, hell yeah, bro. I'm doing great. Awesome. Happy to be here talking about, I mean, it's it's our first, uh, my first time on a director's cut episode. And this and will be my first time on a bonus round episode as well, because you're going to cross cast this. Yep. The purpose here, folks. So we're recording live on both ends. Oh, I'm sorry, not live, but you know what, you know what we mean? Yeah. Unedited, uncut. It is just completely uncensored, uncircumcised bullshit. Well, maybe somewhat edited. I don't know. I, I got to get some of the gaps together and everything. But, yeah, we're going to do just a quick little, I guess, 30, 35-minute episode. And we're going to talk about something that's kind of central to both of our podcasts on, on the gaming end and the movie end. We're talking about movie tie-in video games. It's something a little different than we're used to talking about, probably at least on this podcast. Yeah, we've done a couple crossovers before where we've done, you know, the opposite, which was movies based on video games. But we've yet to get into a video game based on a movie. And that's something I've actually wanted to do for a while now. Yeah, and there's a pretty rich history of movie tie-in video games going all the way back to the Atari, right? Yeah, I mean, there's. I, mean, I was looking down the list and I was surprised about how many 80s movies were made into video games. And I, I guess the genre as a whole doesn't have a very positive reception i mean it's it, it's kind of seen the same way as the opposite movies based on video games are yeah. but <laughs> we're here to talk about some of the ones that actually stood out to us you know a few actually good ones and maybe some shitty ones as well that are just so shitty they're still worth talking about <clears throat> ldn <clears throat> <laughs> old, that, that's an old school company i don't even know if you know who they are right say it again ljn ljn no i can't say that i have well, if you know your angry video game nerd, you'll know that that is a much maligned company that did a lot of early movie tie-in games. They, they did a lot of the early horror movie games like A Nightmare on Elm Street, and they also did Friday the 13th. Okay. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, did you see that Friday the 13th video game that came out more recently? 
That was really interesting, actually. I, I like the idea of, you know, having one person play as Jason and a n- bunch of other people playing as the camp counselors. I mean, it, it even yeah. goes into a little bit of lore surrounding Friday the 13th, like, for instance, how Jason is actually able to kill his victims so quickly. They, they give you a teleport function, from what I remember. Yeah, and you've got that. Uh, what's the name for that type of gameplay? I think it's it's like one versus many. I'm not sure what that's called play, play, either. PVE, right? Player versus everyone. Yeah, it's PVE. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, it, yeah, you've got that kind of a gameplay, and I guess it it just rotates around with who gets to be Jason, and that's a really cool concept. And from what I understand, is it pays a lot of homage to the movies, and and even stays faithful to its source material in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it certainly does. I mean, and, and it looks like a really beautiful game for its time as well. I mean, I know it's been out for just a few years now, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'd definitely love to check that out. And I'm thinking if uh, we ever have a podcast that falls, you know, on Friday, well, the next time we have a Friday the 13th of the calendar year, I would definitely love to do a podcast episode on that on Collateral Gaming, like a bonus round episode just talking about the Friday the 13th game. Shit, maybe even live stream us playing it or something like that. That would be cool. Yeah, Twitch. yeah that would be badass, dude. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, going all the way back to like the Atari 2600, you had games like the Immortal E.T. <laughs> that That is uh, that's a game that's pretty central to both movie and game lore, you know, and, and culture and everything. It. I don't think that the whole thing about the, uh, you know, the landfill full of carts, I don't know how, you know, what the veracity of that is, but Uh I mean, it was seen as a pretty bad game, although I think some reappraisal has said that, you know, maybe it's not that bad, but, you know... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is It is one of the video games that is considered to be the worst of all time. And I haven't personally played it because I don't have a console, but at some point I'd love to emulate it, and that would probably be a bad game review in the future. When we're talking about legendary bad games, I mean, that one definitely has to come across. It's worthy of mention of, you know, such atrocities as Superman 64, Action 52, so <laughs> it's in that same caliber. And oh, so that's definitely. definitely something we'll have to talk about. And it's funny, too, because anybody playing it would, you know, you're sitting there, you're like, how would you know it was an E.T. game if it were not for the marketing? You can't fucking tell what anything is. Oh, and, no, not at all. Like, like maybe the actual character that you control kind of looks like E.T., you know, and they could do better. 8-bit graphics were actually not that bad. I mean, you have Mario. You can see that Mario is a fucking plumber with a mustache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But even on the Atari 2600, they also had some horror movie tie-in games. They had like one of the earliest horror movie tie-ins was Halloween. That that was kind of interesting. Like you had to run away from what looked like Michael Myers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it was interesting to see them try to take a first stab at bringing the slasher genre to gaming. How do you think that went over with with parents at the time, you know? I'm not really sure. I mean, it's not what I would call an especially graphic game or anything, obviously. I mean, I don't see how they would make it that graphic, but, you know? Yeah. And they also did a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game for the Atari. Oh, no shit. 
Yeah, you and you actually play as Leatherface in that game. That's the first time that you actually play a horror movie antagonist in a, a video game like that. Oh, badass. So you get to, like, massacre people? Like, that, that's the point of the game? Actually, yeah. I mean, there's a little character that's supposed to be Leatherface. He has a, something that's supposed to look like a chainsaw, but it, it looks like <laughs> his penis or something. <laughs> and, yeah, you literally go around just killing innocent people. It's amazing that that game honestly didn't rustle some jimmies or ruffle some feathers or whatever. <laughs> That's pretty badass. I I may have to go and play that because I mean, what kind of what what other game puts you in the shoes of a serial killer? Probably Manhunt, kind of arguably. I guess you could say. Isn't there that one game where you can like shoot them all? No, Manhunt is the torture no, porn simulator. Yeah. <laughs> it came out in the PS2 era. It, it, it was pretty controversial for its time. But yeah, I mean, those were some interesting titles on the Atari 2600. And going into the 8-bit era, like we, we touched on LJN and their games. They did a plethora of movie tie-in games of varying degree. Like the aforementioned Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street games were LJN games. And like Nightmare on Elm Street, that was more like a platformer. I mean, whereas really? like Friday the 13th is probably closer to what you would call actual early survival horror, kind of. Okay. Well, like, that could be really interesting. Yeah, in, in that one, you had to kind of find Jason, save counselors, and also fight Jason as well. Whereas in Nightmare on Elm Street, you do a lot of platforming. Um, you have like basically a hub map kind of, and you go into different buildings. And there's a point where you can go to sleep and Freddy comes out and attacks you. And you, it's pretty much almost like a mini boss battle kind of. Sam. So, <laughs> it, it's an interesting game. It's not particularly good, but <laughs> it, it's good to know that, you know, at least the horror genre was really represented early on in gaming. Yeah, and I that makes sense to me because the horror genre had such a niche. And I think it would be the same type of people that would go home and play video games, honestly. Yeah. And LJN, like I said, they did a lot of other movie tie-ins. Like, they were the ones responsible for the Lethal Weapon game. They were responsible for the early RoboCop game, I believe. I saw that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that was really interesting because they were taking R-rated movies that were really, really ultra-violent. Like, like, I don't know if you've seen RoboCop. It's actually a pretty violent fucking movie. Yeah. And yet they made video games and toys out of him in a cartoon series. Go figure, right? Well, you know, Hollywood works in mysterious ways. Yeah. And, and that's seen no better than in the video game industry. I mean, growing up for me, anyway, basically every major movie release that came out that had some sort of action involved in it saw a video game release. And like I said before, these were considered notoriously, not necessarily like bad, like worst game of all time bad necessarily, but just cheap cash-ins that there was no effort put into the oh, development yeah it seems totally. that all the money went to just featuring the characters and they thought well we'll make a lot of money because fans of the film are gonna buy this so we don't actually have to put effort into making a, a good game yeah exactly i mean wh why make a good <laughs> game when you know you know that people are just going to cash in and buy it anyways 
But that's not to be said that good games didn't come out that were based on movies. I mean, for me growing up, the uh, the Harry Potter games were actually at least the ver- the first three were particularly good. Uh, actually, on one of the bonus round episodes on Collateral Gaming, one of our, my game recommendations on the Game Rex episode was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, wow. Yeah, because that was a game that I grew played growing up that reminded me a lot of Zelda-like gameplay. And it actually built off of the game that's seen by the Harry Potter community as the superior uh, oh, okay. out of the whole series, which is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So what's the worst of the series? Honestly, it's, I don't know. I, I wasn't very fond of Goblet of Fire. They went from kind of a more innovative action adventure type gameplay with puzzle solving and being able to explore the entirety of Hogwarts and on a semi-open map to this kind of linear progression action-based game that I just wasn't real fond of. Yeah, that doesn't or, sound particularly fun at all, honestly. No, Order of the Phoenix was pretty good. Not as good as the first three, but it definitely was more accurate to the movies and by extension the books and featured a fully like explorable Hogwarts map that was accurate to the geography in the movie. And that was pretty cool. It was very exploration based and had a unique type gameplay. Half-Blood Prince kind of felt like a cheap clone of Order of the Phoenix. It was like the same game, but not as good. And then the two Deathly Hallows games kind of went back to action based, but they were shooters. Hmm. Third person shooters, basically. <laughs> They're OK. The fuck? Really? I, yeah, never play- they were I-, okay. I never played any of these games, so I'm kind of blind to all of that. But really, they had like first person Harry Potter. Third person, third, third person, person? Oh, it was third person. Sorry. Third person shooter. So he was firing spells, you know, like guns. And there were different spells that acted like different types of ammo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, like you could cast stupefy and it would it would fire like at some rate of fire. And it, it was kind of it was wow. it, it was it was decent, but not as I, I got to say, the first three games were actually pretty innovative. And I definitely recommend actually Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban. They are legitimately like good games, right not on. just good movie times, but good games. Right on. Right on. I think that. One genre of film that a lot of people doesn't realize really goes all the way back even to the 80s is superhero movies. Like, I mean, there were comic book adaptations going all the way back to Atari 2600, but when the Nintendo came out, I mean, you had, like, the Batman games, which some of them were actually pretty okay, like, especially early on. Until you got to, like, Batman Forever, which, goddammit, I can't ever get past that first fucking level i swear to god (laughs) it's like my eternal curse with sonic i i i can never finish like the second stage of a sonic game i can go through all the green hill zones and then once i hit you know the second part i just stall out i i don't know but (laughs) but yeah batman forever is very frustrating and batman and robin which came out on the playstation is kind of interesting because that's actually Quite possibly one of the earliest open world games that came out at that yeah. time. At, at least what we consider open world games, you know? Like, because uh, part of the action of the game is you actually had to get into the Batmobile and drive between different stages in order to solve crimes and try to catch up with Mr. Freeze and with Poison Ivy and everything. So, Oh, no way. So, it, so a good game based on a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's a bad game, actually. It's notoriously bad. It's okay. shit. It's, it's, but it, it's not even, like, so bad it's funny like the movie is. It's total shit. But it's interesting to play mainly because of the open world stuff. It's, it's kind of impressive yeah. that they were able to really do that early on in a PlayStation game. 
And th this is before the driver games came out, which were kind of also proto open world a little bit. So yeah, definitely. But I mean, other good superhero games that came out around that era, like games based on superhero movies, I should say. I believe that the Spider-Man movies had tie-ins, right? Oh, yeah. Spider-Man 2 is actually one of the best superhero games of all time to this day. I mean, recently playing the PS4 Spider-Man game and its sequel, Miles Morales on PS5, it's hard to not be reminiscent of the original Spider-Man 2 movie video game. So there was the original Spider-Man video game, which is pretty good. It's got, it features Bruce Campbell's narration, oh, by wow, the way. Really? It is very groovy and it's very fourth wall breaking and it's awesome. And that tradition continued in Spider-Man 2. But the difference between Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 1 is that Spider-Man 2 featured an open world. You could swing around Manhattan. And that was crazy at the time because you could actually be Spider-Man and do Spider-Man things instead of fighting through just these progressions of levels of linear levels. You had the entirety of Manhattan to swing around in at your leisure. And, and you could walk around and, and or sorry, swing around and solve crimes and beat up thugs and and it was awesome. And then you played through the storyline of the movie. And there was even expansions on that where they featured characters that, excuse me, weren't in the movie, like Black Cat and the Shocker. Spider-Man 3 was apparently very similar to it. But Spider-Man 2 is the game that's held in high regard to this day. And it really set the standard for how not only Spider-Man games, but superhero games should be in the future. Indeed. Yeah, if you enjoyed Spider-Man PS4 or even hell, the Batman Arkham series, I feel like you kind of owe it to Spider-Man 2. <laughs> that really pioneered good superhero movie games. Right on. Now, what's a bad superhero movie tie-in? Like, I know we talked about Batman and Robin, but what's a bad superhero movie or movie tie-in game period from the PS2 era that you can think of? Hmm. hmm. Yeah, that's kind of kind of difficult. There was a lot of shit there as well. There was just honestly. so much, you know, like basically any like movie blockbuster that came out that had a game tie in was just kind of meh. like it was OK. There wasn't a lot of substance to it. Well, I, I will say this around that time, the original Evil Dead Hail to the King game came out and uh -huh. it wasn't the best game ever, but it did really capture a lot of what made the first two movies so much fun. I, I, I think, yeah, it's it's actual canon. Like, it might happen after Army of Darkness. I'm not entirely sure. But, I mean, it had a lot of good shout-outs to the movie. Like, it had, uh, you know, in Evil Dead 2, how his girlfriend is uh, ballet dancing outside and everything. Oh, shit. Yeah, you can actually find her in the game, and you have to fight her every now and again. It actually managed to expand on the lore of evil dead as well oh hell yeah yeah i mean it, it actually he actually went out into the woods he like he fought like a possessed uh, scout troop which was interesting <laughs> and but it had all of the trademark characteristics of the first couple movies at least if not all three movies and it's Definitely highly recommended, and I, I think that there was a second one that came out, and it had a little uh, dwarf demon counterpart, that, <laughs> a, a little sidekick or something like that. I think it was the, something, something Boomstick, I don't remember, but that was a similar game, and it was a lot of fun from what I remember, and I believe they're making a new Evil Dead game now, right? Yeah, I was about to mention that. So anybody that watched the Game Awards, 
uh, got to see the trailer for this. And this is featuring Bruce Campbell, by the way, just just to bring that name back in for you. But um, yeah, a new upcoming game coming out for, you know, this next generation consoles, PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. Um, also coming up for PS4, Xbox One and Switch and PC. So that's good. But it's supposed to come out sometime this year. Excellent. We don't know a lot about it, but there's going to be co-op and there's going to be PvP combat. So Nice. Are they going to incorporate some uh, stuff from the TV show, maybe? Uh, hopefully. I mean, it's based on the franchise overall, not like some specific movie, if, I'm, if I understand. I got you. Um, it's okay. a further extension. Maybe it's a canon extension of the universe. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> you know, you asked me earlier, you said, are there any like bad superhero movie times? And now I can actually think of a couple because that I've played. I ended, I played a little bit of the Iron Man video game, which it's not bad, but I mean, it's definitely lackluster when you're playing it. I mean, the, the animations are awkward. The characters don't sound like they're supposed to, but it's a cool concept getting to fly around and be Iron Man. It was actually fun. That sounds pretty fun. I mean, I never played those games either. I mean, I, I never really bothered with a lot of the movie tie-in games on the ps2 you know during that era but there were some mixed to poor received video games based on thor and captain america as well uh, with oh, their, their i believe that movies. yeah and we can't go through this topic without bringing up the james bond franchise that actually yeah, had a <laughs> few movie tie-in games and the most notable one, of course, is GoldenEye. GoldenEye. 64. We have to bring up GoldenEye. I mean, because that is still considered to be one of the greatest video games of all time, period. Yeah. And it perfectly encapsulates everything that is great about James Bond and especially about GoldenEye, which I don't really remember the plot of that movie a whole lot. And this might be another example of a video game movie tie-in that's better than the movie, maybe. Yeah. But, man, so many precedents were set by that game, right? Like, especially with multiplayer combat? Yeah, I mean, just the, the multiplayer shooter genre as a whole, you know, owes itself to GoldenEye. You play any Battle Royale game? Dude, that's GoldenEye. You play Call of Duty? That's GoldenEye. <laughs> exactly. And they remade it recently, although I think that it's not particularly that great. I've seen it on some worst of lists this last year, so... Oh, no. I, I didn't hear about a GoldenEye remake, actually. That I heard, right by some, me. I heard something about it. It, it came yeah, out If recently. I didn't hear about it, it must not have been good. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were just this Vengali of gaming, aren't you? <laughs> no, but I do run a gaming podcast, which we have a new segment on every episode. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much all the other James Bond games that came out after that, they also got movie tie-ins of varying levels of quality. I mean, I, I remember that The World Is Not Enough, I think that's the name of it. Mm -hmm. Th that had a game that came out that was kind of lackluster. I, I think that might have been the immediate movie after GoldenEye. So it, it had some big shoes to fill, and it did not fill them at all. No. There's what, uh, License to Kill in 1989? License to Kill, yeah. That, that, yeah. Was, a, that was a movie tie-in game going all the way back then? Yeah. Nice. I don't know if I've ever played any other James Bond movie tie-ins beyond GoldenEye, honestly. At least going back in time, you know, to different eras of gaming. More recently, that. in 2012, there was 007 Legends. Ooh, interesting. wonder what yeah. that was like. Uh, well, you know, uh, first-person shooter. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I mean, that, that makes sense. <laughs> well, what else is a James Bond game going to be? Come on. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think that the movie game that I mentioned, they, they tried doing some different things. I think they had driving uh, elements or something like that. It was, it, it was a clusterfuck. <laughs> but of course, another franchise that we just cannot pass over in any way is Star Wars. Yeah, no, we can't. And there's so much Star Wars out there that, as we were talking about before the podcast, I mean, some of it's expanded universe. So I guess we'll talk more about what was directly based on the video games, but even with that, or based on the movies. But even with that, I mean, there there are quite a few. Well, I remember there was the original Star Wars arcade game that was really cool. Like, And, and, yeah. and they have one out now. I think it's a remake of the original arcade game, but that was pretty fun. And, of course, I mean, I, I think that they came out on the Atari 2600. I don't think I ever played those games before, but... The Star Wars games that I remember the most were probably the Super Nintendo Star Wars games, which were, you know, the the original trilogy and everything. Yeah. And they were known for being pretty decent adaptations and also pretty difficult games. Very challenging. But you I've could heard about Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Yeah, you, you could still kind of jump into it, though, but, I mean, it really takes a while to actually master it and to actually beat it and everything. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I, you know, um, I played the episode three or Avenge of the Sith game back in the day. I played like the first few levels and that was pretty decent, actually. I liked the amount of like force powers you could do. And I remember fighting through that opening segment as Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah. And having a lot of fun with it. And that game featured an alternate ending storyline where Anakin kills Obi-Wan and then kills the Emperor. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. That is, isn't that cool? <laughs> that's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> I, I mean, we got to bring up Star Wars uh, pod racing. Now this is pod racing. Oh yeah, that was a fun game actually. I mean, a pretty fun racing game. I think that's on uh, PS Live right now. Really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I, I actually like to play that sometime because or, or, or I actually recently. I remember it being pretty decent. Yeah. And there was also a Star Wars fighting game as well. It was uh, called uh, Star Wars Masters of Terrace Kasai. And it was a 3D fighter. You had, like, all your signature weapons, your lightsaber, uh, Chewie's, uh, you know, weapon and everything. And That's cool. You had the Battlefront games. Yeah, there's the Battlefront games as well. That was uh, more of a tactical type of shooter game, right? Yeah, yeah, and they've even they even rebooted Battlefront recently, and I still include them in, in movie tie-ins because uh, they they more prominently feature feature characters from the films, and I think the Star Wars Battlefront two of the reboot series initially had a lot of negative reception because of microtransactions and other EA bullshit, uh, but um, actually covered itself by reversing a lot of that, and they introduced a shit ton of characters. Just about any like Star Wars like main character that you've ever wanted to play as is in that game. Hell, you can even play as BB-8, so... <laughs> wow, really? You can play as BB-8? Jesus yeah. Christ. I I'm just waiting for a game where you can play as Mando, because that's going to be badass. I want to play as the Mandalorian. A Mandalorian game? Yeah, that would be really fucking cool. I mean, <laughs> what about the other prequel games? I mean, did you ever play any of them? I can say that I did. The only one that I can actually remember playing was, was Episode 3. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, because the only one I remember was, of course, the pod racing. I mean, that's the only one I can remember from the prequel <laughs> which, series. Right, which which comes from uh, Phantom Menace, so... Yeah. But that was really the part of the Phantom Menace that's worth playing as it came. I mean, a lot of a lot of episode one is just very um, negotiations and <laughs> yeah, it's all political intrigue and everything. 
Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, though, the best or at least some of the best Star Wars games that ever came out and another movie tie in franchise I'd like to mention would be the Lego games, starting with Lego Star Wars, of course. These are some of the best video game adaptations of movies and e even staying faithful to the source material. And even though the initial, you know, the first few games had characters not even talking, no dialogue, just grunts, just the level of, of attention to and <laughs> <laughs> love that were put into those films. I mean, you've got Lego Star Wars, Lego Indiana Jones. I think there were some Indiana Jones games that weren't too bad, speaking of which. Oh, yeah, there were some Super Nintendo Indiana Jones games that were really good. I'm, I think the Nintendo ones were kind of shitty, but... Yeah, um, Lego Harry Potter, uh, some of the best Harry Potter games. I mean, they really hold up. I mean, if you look at the rest of them, some people consider the Lego Harry Potter games the best Harry Potter games that are out there, and yeah. I don't blame them. I'm trying to think, there is one directly based off of the MCU, Lego Marvel's Avengers, and, and even the other Lego Marvel superhero games feature a lot of the MCU characters. There are iterations of those characters specifically, but there was one that specifically followed the storylines of the Avengers and Age of Ultron. Right on. And one more franchise uh, I'm going to bring up and we're going to go ahead and wrap up is the Alien franchise. That actually had uh, the Alien 3 was a game that was actually never released, I think. I mean, I have a couple of ROMs of it, but I don't think that it was released on Nintendo or anything like that. But the Alien Trilogy Hold game on. is pretty cool. I like that. There was an Alien 3 game, I think, that was supposed to come out, but that was never released. I think it was because uh, nobody really liked Alien 3, which I don't know why. It's a great movie. I, yeah. I think it's pretty good. It's, it's not what David Fincher wanted, but... You know, it, it's passable. I bought my friend uh, Alien Isolation. And you know what's funny is he didn't want to play it until I was able to watch it with him. And we just never ended up playing it together. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard a lot of good things about that one as just being a legitimately good, like, survival horror game in, in space. I heard it's really, really terrifying, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It kind of recaptures the feeling of the original Alien movie. Yeah, and it's a continuation of uh, of Ripley's uh, lore because that's her daughter that's playing the main character, if I uh, recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then they released Alien Colonial Marines and uh, why? Some arcade shit. We, we, we played some of it on our arcade episode on Collateral Gaming. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about the light gun game. I'm talking about Colonial Marines. That was a tactical shooter that came out that just, I think it came out after Alien Isolation, and it just sucked ass, hardcore. <laughs> but anyway, we wanted we to We have one this. more to mention. Yeah, one more to mention. this okay. podcast without talking about The Room, the video game. The Room, the, flash the video game, game that we of did. course. A holiday special on last season and that was so much fun because it just really really captures the entire essence of the movie while at the same time expanding on it any fan of the room should play the room flash game even if you're not a, a video game person because it's more like interactive adventure than i don't it is know video flash game. isn't a thing anymore you think that people can still play it that's true flash has been discontinued is it possible to still play does somebody have a version out there can you run some kind of extension on your browser i don't find know. out and come back to us because we played it right before the flash end of life. And I remember we talked about that. We're yeah, like, man, yeah. we're sad because you may not be able to play this game anymore. It was on Newgrounds. So you would think Newgrounds would probably have replaced all their shit. But I guess it would be up to the individual developers of each game. So yeah, who's to say? Yeah. But anyway, we'll go ahead and stop right there. I think that we talked about a lot of interesting movie tie-in games. There's a lot more that we could have talked about. I mean, there's like a huge list on the Wikipedia article and everything, yeah. but 
Ash, where can everybody find Collateral Gaming? You can find Collateral Gaming wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to Collateral Cinema, wherever you're listening to Collateral Gaming right now. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Pandora, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also find us on social media. We have accounts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, we have a Patreon. Just, just putting it out there. We have a Patreon, and I just uploaded some more Patreon content for you lovely whores. All right. And likewise for Collateral Cinema, we're going to have our anniversary episode coming out soon. We, we were going to release it tonight, but we decided that, you know, since our buddy Robert couldn't make it, then he, we got to have him on the on the episode. So we're going to try to— We can't to do our make anniversary without Robert. We can't do it. No, we just couldn't do it. So we're going to have that done very soon, and you can find us everywhere that Ash just mentioned, and also on Patreon. Our tiers start at $1 and $5 and everything. And we'll go ahead and stop right there. I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. And this was the Director's Cut and... The Bonus Round. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. See y'all in a week, I guess. <laughs> Later. Yep. Stay tuned for our episodes on Gozu and part two of Ghost of Tsushima. Collateral Cinema is a collateral media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.